0: Six weeks on, how are things progressing for me and my hobby? How have the ideas in the first five episodes of season nine shaped what I'm doing? What is the one game I am running, and how's it going? If you say- Greetings Rescuers, my name is Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue. I hope you're well. Six weeks ago I stated that I had arrived at a place of change and growth. I had turned 50 years of age and was beginning to wonder if I'd ever become the game master, referee and creative world builder that I have been meaning to get around to becoming since I was about 10 years old. I've had to learn to let go of old unhelpful patterns of thinking and rechart my pathway back to the hobby. Essentially, I've needed to put all the theory and discussion shared on this podcast over the past couple of years put that into action. So, as we reach the 6th episode of the series, what is to me a natural waypoint on my journey? I'm asking myself, how's it going? Given the highly introspective nature of the past five episodes, I feel that the best place to stop and look at the progress I have made lies in the one game I've been running consistently for the past 12 or so weeks. Let's dive into the story of my very own classic fantasy campaign set within my very own world. This is Season 9, Episode 6, Mondays in (laughs) Mystimere. Mystamere is the classic fantasy realm I created for myself way back around 2016. It began with a delve into the classic Dungeons & Dragons red box adventure that is cunningly named First Adventure. Shortly after, I shifted game system to Mithras Classic Fantasy and things spiralled upward from there. Things truly began to take form as a larger entity following the invitation of Rodney Leary to add it to the official Greymere setting for Mithras Classic Fantasy. How could I say no? Despite my enthusiasm, and the joy that came when the terror of Ettin Marsh and Moonspike Tower were published, my energy for the realm eventually petered out, not least because, when I look back on it, I was setting up huge expectations for myself as Game Master. The biggest of those was expressed more recently in one of my 13 GM rules, mentioned back in Season 8, Episode 2. Rule 3, the GM needs to know everything about the game system and the game world before play begins. For the record, I no longer believe this rule to be true. I have modified it to something more like the GM needs to know enough about the game system and the game world to run the next session, and even then, a lot of stuff can be happily made up on the fly. Quite a shift in attitude, eh? How has that change come about? Interestingly, it's through two separate moves I made with my gaming, both of which brought me back to my original realm of Mystamere. The first move was short-lived but important. While playing the campaign of GURPS Dungeon Fantasy on Saturday nights, roughly comprising seven sessions of play set within the Fire Citadel of the Dragon Kings, itself the campaign location that sparked Roleplay Rescue as a podcast back in, what, 2018? I took the Fire Citadel and I placed it back into the realm of Mystamere. I'd previously had it as a sort of standalone location. This was a small move in many ways, but it was very effective in bringing my attention back to the world that i had created and written for. This happened at the end of January, and I wrote about it on RoleplayRescue.com on February 1st. For too many years, I had allowed myself to believe that once a game collapses, you are done with all that stuff you created. I used to throw away maps and ditch notes, start over. But back in February, I realised that that had been a huge mistake. Looking through old notes for Mistamere and seeing what I could recycle, reduce or build upon, it was good to recognise the high quality of stuff I had created in the past and repurpose it for a new game. In that decision, I found new energy and interest in those old notes and felt the impetus to create some more. That led to the second move. I pitched a game of Mithras classic fantasy to be played in the realm of Mistamere. You can hear the rationale of that decision if you listen to Season 8, Episode 13, The Lure of Mithra's Classic Fantasy. What happened was curious. I pitched the idea to three groups of people. The Roleplay Rescue patrons, through mentioning it in the Dungeon Master's Diary. That's the patron-only bonus episode I release weekly via patreon.com slash rpgrescue. I also pitched it to the RPR Discord, the private community group we have on Discord. And finally and at the time, oddly, I mentioned it in the playtest forum for Mithra's Classic Fantasy. There was a large initial interest that coalesced into eight players actually wanting to show up. There was a big delay in getting to session zero because of my decline in mental and physical well-being, but eventually we got six players to the table. The date was auspicious for me too. Monday the 19th of April, the day after I turned 50 years of age. (laughs) The new game in Mr. Mere was built around the framework of my earlier games. I set the player characters up in the village of Anminster, the location of the Terror of Ettenmarsh, and decided to move the timeline of the realm along five years since the events of that module. In accordance with the broad belief that the player is sovereign over their character, albeit within the bounds of the world the GM has created, I let the players build their characters. I had a fun evening with our newest gamer, Ben, who had played his first ever RPG sessions with me using the Pathfinder beginner box. We got online and built his character together, working out some backstory ideas along the way. In this period, we lost two players to the attrition of everyday life in the pandemic lands, but we landed with six players ready to go. I sat down with the Old Skull Adventure Generator, essentially a guided set of random tables set within the framework for inventing classic fantasy adventures. I worked through some ideas that came up from the roll of random tables. And this left me with a nice multi-part adventure framework that will involve journeying across the realm of Mr. Mir to resolve a series of challenges, or at least the eventual overthrow of order through the machinations of the villain if the characters do nothing. From there, I worked to create the first location between Anminster and the base of evil operations. This was the Whispering Falls and the Whisper Caves that lie behind those falls, located at the western end of Lake Miramir, some six miles or so from Anminster. There was an inciting incident the arrival of shuffling walkers rising up from the lake on the shores near Anminster, plus the offer of work from a travelling ranger in search of his missing half sister. And from there, play began. We have completed six sessions of play. I have sketched a map for the second major location on the quest, and so characters are currently holed up inside that location. Given the adventure framework, I have material for about four more such kind of major large locations and I have notes for several ancillary ones. The plan is to sketch maps and expand the notes as the players move their characters towards their own goals in the adventure. While I hope they will want to take on my villain, I have no fixed expectations. This is a sandbox game in which I sketch in the stuff I need just prior to each session and then see what the players want to do. In truth, I have been pushing myself to be more and more comfortable with fewer and fewer predetermined notes. This has saved me a lot of time and probably a great deal of heartache. Gaming has certainly become doable. I have wobbled in my determination to attend sessions on two occasions I can think of, but I have run the game consistently for six sessions, and for me, that's a big achievement. I could not have done that without the support of my players, but so far, Mr. Mir is going along just fine. Although things are going well, a few other factors have helped me to deliver the game over the past 12 or so weeks. These are facts about the way in which we are running the game that make it easier for me to turn up and play. Firstly, because Rod Leary, the designer and line editor of Mithra's Classic Fantasy's Rules, because he's a player, we decided to make the game a playtest of his forthcoming player's handbook. This has had three effects it's set up the expectation that we will on occasion have to look stuff up and briefly discuss rules questions that arise so rod can address or fix them in the book also it has allowed other players to become rules experts and supplement my own knowledge of those rules and this means that it takes pressure off me to become the sole arbiter of how the game mechanisms are used additionally I have been more engaged in learning the rules and questioning how things are resolved. And yeah, we've had quite a big impact on Rod's book. I think he's made five significant revisions to the draft based on things that came up in play. Secondly, while I'm playing online, I have minimised the usage of Roll20. The players who want to have been using digital character sheets, but not everyone is doing so. And I've been using real dice, which I enjoy much more. To resolve gm matters i have used roll 20 to sketch maps in the moment the first session i used a battle map image from the marketplace but after that i just freehand quick sketch the map outlines user tokens and the initiative tracker and do pretty much everything else theater of the mind lastly my notes consist of two elements hand-drawn maps sketched in my bullet journal for hobby notes and digital notes stored on MyInfo, a Windows-based knowledge tool that I rather like because it's very easy to use. I had considered OneNote because I can access OneNote both on my PC and my iPad, making it more portable, but because this game is online and I am always at my PC, plus the fact that OneNote is more fiddly to use, I opted for MyInfo this time out. I might change that if I play a face-to-face game in the near future. The significance of these factors is that they have helped to downplay previously held beliefs about being GM, and they've shifted my behaviours. I don't have to know all the rules of the game before I play. It's okay for players to know the rules better than I do, and it's okay for the rules to get changed if we don't like them. Session to session, we've had quite a bit of change, and that's loosened up my approach to adjudication. It's also okay to play online without detailed battle maps and the entirety of the notes uploaded onto Roll20 or whatever digital platform you're using. You can just use the digital tools as you find them convenient and do everything else in the traditional low-tech manner. That way, I get to enjoy rolling real dice, but I also have notes in just the way I like to use them. Finally, you just don't have to write the entire adventure out before play starts. I'm adding new maps to my realm a little ahead of play, maybe a day to a week ahead, depending on my schedule and my mental energy. But most sessions are now being prepped on the day, about 30 minutes before play starts. I invested a little more time in creating some key NPCs, most notably when I designed the Banshee for the most recent location, and also in creating some details for the villain, but, and here's a cool step for me... I haven't really written the villain's stats out, and I won't unless and until the party gets close to meeting them. All in all, the Mr Mere game has helped me to shift from a very rigid and demanding set of expectations towards a more fluid, flexible and open style of play. Mr Mere Mondays are becoming something I look forward to playing. It's okay when my mood dips and I feel like it's all a bit much to pre- because all I need to do is focus on the very next session – do a few things get ready for that session and then well it's game on so i guess the last thing to ask is so what for you guys i'm hoping that this episode has helped you to see that my own experience demonstrates a few of the theoretical things i've been talking about over the last couple of years first of all Go back and reuse your maps, go back and reuse your locations, go back and reuse your notes that you've used in past games, whether or not they've been successful or failed. If it's been something you've used very successfully, why not just consider reskinning it? But if it's sort of fallen by the wayside or never actually met the players, then, well, you just use it as it is. That's what I've been doing. Secondly, have an adventure framework. I think I got this tip from not just Castle Old Skull kind of laying out a process for me to follow, but actually really from the angry GM. Thinking about the end point really helps me to focus on the waypoints in between. And then it's loosened me up enough to sort of slot in adventure activities, if you like, for the characters along the way. And it's extensible. I've got kind of in mind these six kind of big waypoints, but there's plenty of opportunity to veer off in other directions across the sandbox, or even for me to throw in extra stuff as ideas occur to me. I think thirdly, I've just not got hung up on creating everything up front. And that's given me flexibility. I can, first of all, adapt to the players as they kind of develop and grow within the setting. And secondly, it does allow me to learn the game as I go and perhaps adjust things a little bit from that learning, from that experience. All in all, I've been enjoying the experiment of kind of mucking about. And it has to be said, my players have been fantastic. They're very patient with me, which is incredibly important because, well, to be honest with you, I can be up and down like a flipping yo-yo. Anyway, I hope those three points are perhaps something you can pull out of this episode and maybe some of the other things I've mentioned will also be of use. Thanks so much for listening. And that's it for another episode of Roleplay Rescue. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support the podcast, there are a whole host of things that you could do. Most helpful of all, you could leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you are using, and that will help to raise our profile. Alternatively, you could follow me on Twitter at ubiquitousrat and like or retweet episode announcements. And thanks to everyone who's doing that already. If you're on MeWe, you can look me up and connect, or you can find the Roleplay Rescue page and follow, again, emojing or resharing episode announcement, that's really helpful. And there's also a private roleplay rescue group that you can join if you want to discuss stuff off air. If you have comments, you could drop me a call in via anchor.fm rpgrescue or email me your sound recording directly to hello at rpgrescue.com. If you are looking for more Roleplay Rescue, check out the blog at roleplayrescue.com where I randomly post quick thoughts and gaming stuff as the whim takes me. If you want to buy me a digital coffee by way of thanks, why not drop by ko-fi.com slash cwebster. And finally, if you want to support the show with a little pocket change on a regular basis, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you once again to all my current patrons for their patient and long-standing support. Links to all of these places can be found in the show notes. And thanks, of course, must-go to TJ Drennan for the main theme music and all of the stingers. Thanks to Anchor for airing and distributing the podcast to a huge range of podcasting services. And thanks to you, the listener, for lending me your ears. That's it until next time. I'm Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. Game on!